Let me take my mute off, and then you'll hear me say good morning. And you'll hear me jingle jangle. And I forgot my music stand. Thank you for being with us. Three letters changed the world on June 4th, 1977. Think of a combination of three letters here in the room or you at home, wherever you're at. What three letters changed the world on June 4th, 1977? That day before the Consumer Electronics Show started in Chicago, there was a press conference to announce VHVH. VHS. I haven't even said that combination of letters so long I can't even pronounce it. The VHS video cassette. This is not a Bible. This is a VHS case. Some of you maybe have never seen it. This is a VHS tape. And uh, before that, there were cassette tapes and eight tracks and all that stuff. But in 1977, the world changed in some aspects. It changed from two or three television channels at home to where you could now record on a video cassette player. You could rent movies. I'm sure board game companies were freaking out as people began to watch more and more movies and more and more things at home. We got a VCR for Christmas one year when I was around the age of 10. And VHS tapes began making their entrance into our lives. It couldn't have been a bit better Christmas. I was hoping for one. Our cousins down the road had had one for a little while. You all know that family rivalry stuff. Somebody else gets it before you do. You want one as well. My parents had bought us this VCR player and they rented three videos from the video hut in Whitewood, Saskatchewan. There was a video hut. It was Whitewood's blockbuster video. And uh, I think this is the first video I ever watched on VHS tape. I have a good memory for a lot of the wrong stuff. (laughs) Romancing the Stone, a 1984 classic. They thought it was going to be a bomb, but it turned out to be a blockbuster. And so I can't tell you about it, but uh, I checked out the rating to make sure that my first first video I ever watched wasn't inappropriate to announce to you. So uh, you can check out Romancing the Stone, and I'll try to remember what it was about. But uh, after VHS tapes, there was like satellite dishes, then there's cable, and then VHS tapes have been replaced by DVDs. DVDs have been replaced kind of by the internet. The internet's kind of been for watching entertainment's kind of been replaced by streaming video, which requires the internet, but it's been this, this, and this. And so guess what? If you gave somebody a VCR to play VHS tapes this Christmas, they would be hoping for a little bit better Christmas than what you just gave them. They would be feeling left out and uh, that they got the bum end of the deal. But uh, the reality is the goal that for this Christmas and for any Christmas is not to get kind of sucked into the world's mentality or society or what purchasing power does and to just hope for a bit better Christmas or just try to plan the the perfect uh, family kind of gathering or non-gathering or virtual gathering or whatever we can do in COVID-type times and hope that if we could just manage the situation as best we can, we would have a little bit better Christmas than if we didn't do that. And we're all hoping for a little bit better Christmas. 
But the reality is, as followers of Christ, we don't want to get into that racket, and we're not actually called to be a part of what they would call that racket, because it's pretty fickle and relative. Because one of my greatest Christmases when I was 10 years old would not compare to what my greatest Christmas was when I was 20 years old and got to bring home my fiancé for the first time in my life. It's all kind of relative if we're just looking for a bit better job, bit better food, bit better bed, bit better vacation, a bit more rest, bit more fun, a bit better Christmas. And so as we get into the week where it culminates with a, a day that we choose to celebrate and remember Jesus' birth, there can be this kind of ramped up pressure as advertising increases and, and uh, time is cutting short and you still got a gift or thing to do that we could actually settle for, well, this is as good as it gets or this is a bit better. But I'm hoping that we can reframe our thinking a bit and, and make sure it's lining up to what Jesus is actually offering us. Because the goal is to remember Jesus to give thanks for him, and to enjoy him this Christmas. To enjoy him, and to enjoy his blessings in our life. To receive his comfort, to receive his healing, to receive his help. And this Christmas, with all the COVID challenges, society and governments are actually helping us in this journey. I didn't, I didn't really ask them to. You can't blame me can't blame the person beside you for wrecking Christmas, can't blame those in-laws or those outlaws or those neighbors that never come by and bring a gift because we're all supposed to be kind of staying to ourselves, so we don't have a lot of people to blame for if we have a bit better Christmas or not. It's actually forcing us who follow Christ and claim to love God to realign and allow us to be thinking about Jesus. At least that's the opportunity that is for uh, upon us. And don't Please don't hear today over the next few minutes me laying a guilt trip on you or a guilt trip even on me because I'm struggling with all this as much as you are. I like turkey. My father-in-law does not, but I like turkey. I like talking. I like games. I like family. I like travel. I like all that kind of stuff. But this is causing us to reflect about what our privileges actually are and what we, blessings we can actually hold. And I recognize that I have a lot of privileges right now. I live in a home with three other people, and uh, we love each other and enjoy each other's company. And so we could get tempted to say, well, what could be a bit better than being together? For some of our families in the midst of the rock churches today, it would be trivial and disappointing at best to try to work us up to say, let's just be a bit happier. Let's just be a bit more this, a bit more that because we've got a bit more to be thankful for. For some people in our church, this is the worst Christmas they could ever imagine. We have a family in our church that lost their mother this year. We have a family in this church that lost their father. We have a family in this church that lost their daughter. We have a family that lost their son. Those families couldn't hope for a bit better Christmas because they can barely manage the thought of trying to get through this Christmas, which they imagine to be the worst or the most disheartening. And so our goal is not to try to pump up and have a little bit better perspective, but rather than have a bit better perspective, we want to ensure that our thoughts and our mindset and our heart is constantly shifting from where our heart could focus in and shift to focus towards Jesus. 
and to what he's inviting us to. So the question I put to us today is, where will we turn our comforts when they're taken away, when our preferences are taken away, when the way we want to have life is affected? Will we settle for wishing that we could have a bit better Christmas? Or will we look towards God? And I want to put it in the context that for the follower of Jesus who believes and has professed and put their faith in him, we get to celebrate and we get to be thankful and we get to enjoy this special time. Scripture says in Matthew chapter 1, I want you to catch as I read a, a, the bit of the nativity story here, big explosive type moments or things that would be surprising or shocking to you as we read, as you read along at home. Maybe you want to underline or, or point, pick out the word that just seems kind of explosive or surprising or out of the ordinary. So Matthew chapter 1 verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph was her husband, her, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. What was he to do? She was pregnant, but he was not wanting to disgrace her. So he was going to do something quiet and just put her to the side as respectfully as possible. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Turn to the person beside you and tell them what word or what phrase stuck out at you if you're at home. If you're alone at home, shout it back at the screen at me or tell the person in the room with you who, what word or what moment seems big to you out of the ordinary, more than just a bit better than a normal day. Are you doing it at home? Verse 21 said, she will give birth to a son. Exciting news, but pretty normal. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Cool name. Most people are named because he will save his people from their sins. Not said every day about every person that's ever been born. That's what got my attention. And you see, Jesus did not come to make your life or my life or the world's life a little bit better. He came to save it. He came to save it. He didn't come to save it a little bit more because you can't be saved a little bit more. You're either in trouble or you're rescued. You're either dead or you're alive. You're either in prison or you're free. You're either caught in bondage or you're saved. And so he came to change our world 
to blow our mind. Let me embarrass my children to no end. He came to rip in your chat. <laughs> my daughter's saying, I can't believe you just said that. Most of you don't care that I just said that, but everybody under the age of 25 is now grossly embarrassed of their pastor. He came to get your attention. He came to get in the middle of it all to save you from your sins. And we want to settle for the best turkey meal and we want to settle for the nicest new coat and we want to cry or mourn if we don't have the, the best new car. Those are all great things to have and part of the blessings of the country that we live in. But whether you live in a third world country in the most poverty or whether you're blessed in North America, the fact is we both need a savior. And Jesus came to do the same thing, to save us from our sins. And you can't get any better than that. I said, you can't get any better than that. At home, you can't get any better than that. That is what he came to do. See, here are a few gifts that Jesus came to give us. First of all, in Galatians 4, these aren't coming up on your screen, but uh, you just mark down the, the passage and you can go back to them later. Galatians 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. You see, we get to receive the gift of adoption, of being sons and daughters of God. Verse 6, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls Abba Father, so you are no longer a slave but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. There's a Christmas gift. I'm God's heir. I'm God's son. You're God's daughter. You're God's heir. His spirit is within you calling out to God, your father himself. What gift can you claim this Christmas because Jesus came to be born of a manger, live his life and die and rise again, like Hannah said? We can claim the gift of adoption, that we are adopted and chosen by Jesus. Hard to get a bit better than that. So if we can't get a bit better, let's get adding. So we get the spirit of adoption. Number two, receive the promises. 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. Everybody say, everything we need. Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises. Everybody say, he has given me. Great and precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. He has given us everything. Who would like something for Christmas? I would like something for Christmas. I would like a gift. My wife would like a gift. My children would like a gift. We would all like something for Christmas. Who would like everything for Christmas? That's not a bad deal if you can sign up for it. God is giving us everything in Christ to help us be able to walk a godly life. If you're disappointed at the end of 2020 because of the way some of your lifestyle is, some of the way your thoughts is, the way your heart rests or doesn't rest at time, if you're disappointed after a year that you thought you'd be further along and better off or more like Jesus, if you're remembering some of the times you regret or you feel you failed or you gave up or you gave in or you gave out, Christmas 
Jesus came to be born in a manger, to die on the cross, to rise again, so that we could receive everything that we need for godly life. So everything that we need. What are we getting? We're getting a promise of transformation. We are getting to participate in the divine nature is what is said here in 2 Peter. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. You want to participate in the divine nature with God? Step into his promises. Step into his life. Step into loving. Step into obedience. Step into what he's calling us to do through scripture. And we will escape the corruption that comes through the evil desires of the world. Everything we need for a godly life, wrap it up, put it under the Christmas tree, Jesus. I'll take it. I'll take a double dose. I need it. Spirit of adoption. Promises of a transformed godly life as we follow him. And then another gift, healing. Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Jesus goes on to repeat this scripture and claim it for himself in the New Testament. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance on our God, to comfort all who mourn. You families who I mentioned, you've lost loved ones. He is here to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. It's getting turned around. It's getting healed. Life is coming again. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Receive sonship. Receive the promises. Receive healing. He's come to mend up the brokenhearted. There's healing for our mental state, our spiritual state, our physical state, our relationships, our emotions. Healing is possible. Yes, I know, and I don't have any answers that a bunch of us don't have the healing that we want or that we need or we keep asking for. But we do know that for all of us, there's healing of relationship that we learn to trust every other aspect of our brokenness, whether it is mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational. We live in a broken world. These broken bodies still live under the, the weight of this sinful world. And so it's not one prayer and now it's all pieced together perfectly for this life here on earth. But it's a step-by-step -step walking out what Jesus is calling us to and how he wants to heal us. There's healing. Let me go somewhere scary for a second. COVID. And not just the actual physical results because I'm not talking about your personal perspective because in the world, not just in the church, there's all sorts of perspective. But just the topic of it has pushed a lot of buttons. Put up your hand if your button has been pushed by COVID in the last nine months. There's liars in this place? No. Are you lying at home? My button's been pushed. Your button's been pushed. Here's the thing. I like coffee more than tea, but I have tea sometimes and when you take a tea bag out of the package you assume that what's on what's written on the label is the kind of tea that comes out but what's the only way to know for sure that what's on the label is what's in the tea bag put it in hot water you've got to put that tea bag in hot water and you will know if it's chai 
or blueberry or, heaven forbid, raspberry. Don't like that raspberry tea very much. But you have to actually put it in hot water to see if how it's been labeled is actually what's in the tea bag. COVID's been my hot water. COVID's been your hot water. I claim the label of follower of Jesus Christ. I claim the label of Jesus that people, when they look at me, when they see me, they'll see him. But even though I've had my own opinions, I haven't always expressed those in a way. I haven't always lived my life. I haven't reached out trying to figure out how to help somebody who's stuck or in trouble through COVID the way that I would hope people would think if I had a Jesus sticker on my label. See, if I were a teabag and the label said, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, that it was one of those medleys, it was called fruit of the spirit tea, and that was my label, and you took me and you put me in the hot water of COVID, what would it taste like? Would it taste like love, joy, and peace? I guess if tea can change flavors from day to day, someday it would taste like frustration, resentment, anger. You see, I'm not asking us all to be opinionless. opinionless. I'm not asking us to have one opinion or the other. What I'm saying is that COVID is our hot water, and if we truly line up with who Jesus is, that has to be our first place priority. COVID is just one example of our world. You see, a bit better Christmas for all of us would have been being able to freely do what we want. We have a bit better Christmas than a lot of people around us, a bit better than Manitoba. It's a bit better than Alberta, and it's a bit better than North Dakota. But I'll tell you right now, it could be a lot better. It could be a bit better. Is... Would it be better if I could just do what I want to do, if I just had more freedom? Let me say that another way and chew on this for a second. I would have a bit better Christmas if I could just do what I want. I would have a bit better Christmas if I could just do what I want. Is that what it comes down to? Because if our earthly freedoms are impinging on our heavenly freedom and we're putting in second place our heavenly freedom and our heavenly reality to the realities that we have to live out in this world, we've made a bad trade. We've actually traded down. We've taken a treasure and we've traded it for a lump of coal. Is if we think as followers of Jesus Christ, a bit better Christmas in regards to our earthly environment actually can hold a candle to the, the treasure and the life that we have in Jesus. See, this season of COVID, and it's going from a season of a few months to uh, hopefully not too much longer, but there's, there's, a, there's time that it'll go yet. This season provides a discipleship opportunity. And one of the greatest discipleship opportunities is coming up for us Christians because we, like the rest of the world, are saying, I just can't wait till 2021. Can't wait till 2020 is done. I'll tell you, every pastor who had on their vision statement at the beginning of 2020 had something like 2020, it's going to be a great year. 2020 vision. 
I finally, as a pastor, have a 2020 vision, clear and exciting, just like the optometrist is asking for you. 2020. Well, now, 2020, get out of here. But the problem is, in our normal rhetoric, 2020 is done, and we're looking for 2021 with a fresh start. I'll tell you that 1159 on December 31st and 1201 on January 1st ain't going to feel that much different. And the quicker that you and I don't despise that, but have that in our mindset that we aren't looking to 2021 for a bit better year. We're looking to Jesus for the gift of adoption, the gift of promises, the gift of healing. And we don't need to wait till January 1st. We don't have to wait till we get out of this service. You don't have to leave your bedroom or your living room, wherever you're at home. It's taking the moment to invite him in to the middle of it. It's a discipleship opportunity because COVID's going to go. Governments are going to come and go. Our life just can't be a bit better because when it feels like the world's systems and situations suit our fancy. Because that's what sometimes our life is. This suits my fancy. I'm having a bit better day. I didn't sign up for this. My day sucks. I'm not sure that's what Jesus died for. That sounds a little bit too fickle. It sounds like there's something. When Jesus talks about treasure, I don't think he's talking about whether I'm having a good day or a bad day. See, when he talks about a godly life, I'm not, he's not just talking of when I can be generous and go be part of a tailor-made Christmas. He's also talking about when I have to preach my, my grandfather-in-law's funeral earlier this year. And the difficulty that, that that is to lose somebody. Our family had to lose somebody that we love. You see, it's a discipleship opportunity this Christmas to not settle for a bit better, but to have a paradigm shift that we couldn't want anymore because we've got Jesus. A discipleship opportunity for the grace of God, the love of Jesus, and the fruit of, spirit, of the Spirit to grow in our lives. The truth is that for a believer, Christmas, this isn't, isn't pardon me, the truth is for us as believers, a bit better Christmas can't just be about whether we feel we have enough freedom or not. Jesus' birth at Christmas, the reason we light these candles, remembering that he was expected and that we're expecting him again today, is that was God's step towards us so that we could have true freedom. Jesus didn't come to give us a national citizenship type of freedom. Now, I'm all for Canada, I'm all for dem democracy, and I'm all for our rights as citizens. But let us not get our citizenship rights and what we're fighting for mixed up with our Christian rights. Because if we're going to fight for Christian rights, it's about laying down ourselves for our brother. Our Christian rights is that we get to be heir with God. I don't think we want to trade our citizenship rights and responsibilities, which we as followers of Jesus need to do well. But we don't want to get those in the wrong order. That we're citizens of heaven first and we bring a fragrance of the fruit of the Spirit wherever we go if we keep this in the right order. You see, because true freedom is freedom in Him. Do you want to focus on a bit better Christmas with a bit more freedom? Or do you want to celebrate the Jesus freedom? Freedom to love God, others, and ourselves. Freedom from the penalty of sin. Freedom from shame and guilt. Freedom from anxiety. Freedom from resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness and the thing that makes us feel toxic and steals our days. Freedom from the drive to dull our pain with the things of this world rather than to run to Jesus. That's the freedom that we have. That's the gift 
that's a bit better Christmas. You say, Pastor, I still struggle with unforgiveness. I still struggle with shame. I still struggle with anxiety, hopelessness sometimes. And I can say to you, so do I. It's not the easiest season to be a pastor as you look and talk to friends and see what people are doing. Oh, maybe I should be doing that. Oh, maybe I should be doing that. I'm not a very good pastor. Or that was a good day. That was a bad day. Man, if you get caught in, with insecurity in the midst of pastoring stuff, you can have more than one bad day in a row. But that's not what Jesus bought for us. He came to give us total freedom, and we have access to freedom. We're totally forgiven, and then as we follow him in this life, he steps us into health as we step into the promises of godly life, and we apply to our lives with obedience what he's asking us to do. For those of you with a financial understanding, he has made a direct deposit into our spirit. And now that capital of freedom is there, and our life is spent just deciding how to invest and use that capital for more and more growth in him. We spend our life learning how to invest and use that freedom in Christ to break off old ways and patterns of spending our life and stepping into new ways of spending our life. Friends, how will we spend our time this Christmas? Let me encourage you to feel the pain. All that is not said to minimize the fact that you're sad, I'm sad, you're mad, I'm mad. Whatever emotion or thing you are feeling is not to be said, oh, I guess I can't feel that, go away. No, it's it. We got to acknowledge that. Jesus, I'm disappointed, I'm sad. I choose to forgive those that I think have wronged me in this process or where I've had anger. I invite you to heal my heart. I choose to feel the pain and the sadness and I choose to step into the reality of what you've allowed me to do and I will do it. I will complain to God. I will let him hear me. I'll let him heal my heart. And then I will start to step differently. That's how we do it. He came to change the game. He came to give us new laws. And it's the law of love. And so this Christmas, my goal is to, is to desire you to think Jesus. Not what we have or don't have in the midst of this. Would you remember Jesus? I'm going to going to play a little video right now entitled that called remember and then we're going to celebrate communion christmas isn't just a time to decorate your house to spend time with loved ones and to open long-awaited presents christmas is a time to remember to remember that salvation doesn't come from within it comes from above to remember that infinitely better than the magic of Christmas is the miracle of Emmanuel. To remember that God was not and is not untouched by the pain and suffering of this world. To remember that Jesus isn't just part of the Christmas story, but Christmas is part of the Jesus story. To remember that there is no grace without a cross and no cross without a manger. To remember that Jesus doesn't just want us to remember what he did, but to join him in what he is doing. So this year, let the lights remind you of the light of the world who came into darkness for us. Let the gifts remind you of the greatest gift of all. And this year, make your heart like Bethlehem and receive the King. Luke chapter two. 
verses 25 to 35, says this. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which have prepared in the sight which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Wow, who would like to show up at a baby shower at church and have within the first few lines of greetings and mom, a sword is going to pierce your soul too. Jesus came and he lived his life and he did these miracles, but he was destined with a purpose to die a horrendous death on the cross for you and me. To pay the punishment so that our debt could be paid and then to rise again to life so that our account could be filled with life and we could live with him here on this earth and in the hereafter. You see, this man recognized that this baby, Jesus, was coming to be the savior of the world. That God sent his son not just to be born, not just to live, not just to teach, not just to show us the way to the Father, but to die and actually do the legal work to fulfill the ramifications of our sin, a death of punishment. He died to pay our penalty so that our debt would be paid for. And when that debt is paid, we now have peace with God. When my mortgage is paid, I'm now at peace with the bank. But if my mortgage is not paid, if my debt is not paid to the bank, they're holding it over me. They're at odds with me. They can come knocking on my door. Hope they don't have many bad days. Smile under, just take a moment and smile under your mask for a second. I want to know you can do that. Okay. They can have, I'm not at peace with the bank because the, the relationship is out of order. But Jesus paid my debt so that I could have relationship. And then he rose again. And we can receive the gift of forgiveness of our sin and choose to follow Jesus into true life. We've not only been made to have peace with God, but now we get to actually live out our lives at peace with God. We've had peace been made, we're now in good standing, and now we get to walk out and enjoy this life with him. You see, the alternative of not enjoying relationship with God here in this life and in the life to follow is that scripture teaches of a place called hell. And we don't often mix up the manger and hell on the same sermon. And there's lots of discussion about what that would be like or what that is. But let me just say it like this. Hell at minimum is an eternity without God. And God has come in, the, in Jesus in a manger to show us that we don't have to be alone and apart from him. Hell on this earth or in the, in the life after. So this Christmas, the goal is to recognize that he came for us. But if you want to get the true gift of Christmas, you can't leave Jesus in a manger. 
You can't leave him in a nativity scene. You have to know that he came out of that manger and he lived a life and he grew in stature and in favor and in wisdom and in strength according to Luke chapter 2. And then he taught people. He was called in the ministry and for three years he taught people and showed people the Father and then he was as living perfect, condemned a criminal and died for us. And so if you've never made him your Lord and Savior, Romans chapter 10 says this. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who calls on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe you're in this room, maybe you're watching online, but what you heard me talk about today in regards to the gift of, of being, the, being God's son or daughter, of receiving his promises, of receiving his healing, those promises are for his children. And while he's paved the way, while he's paved the way for us to become his children, we have a choice to step into that adoption agreement. He's choosing us, will we choose him? He did what was necessary to save us because he loved us and to put us at peace with him. But we have to choose him. There's two things as the worship team comes that I want to close with. One is we're going to give opportunity. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you've felt like you're starting to follow him, but you've never made it a concrete decision we're going to give you that opportunity today not with some magic words not with prayer you could use your with a magic prayer you could use your own words i'm going to say some words and if those words are express your heart then you're free to use them i'm going to ask all of us here in this room or at home wherever you're at that we even pray this prayer together as an affirmation of our faith this christmas that this is what we believe and then after we pray that prayer we're going to Um, celebrate communion and then we're going to end this service before we close in prayer with a celebration Christmas song that he is our prince of peace and so would you bow your heads with me wherever you're at and if these words express your heart either as a first time step towards Jesus or just another one in affirming your faith towards him let's pray together Heavenly Father Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to a manger to live in this world, to die a death, to pay my punishment, to rise again, to show he has life over death. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Thank you for dying for me. So I receive your forgiveness. I confess my sins. I receive your life. I confess I'm adopted. Adopt me, Jesus. Settle my heart. I give you my anxiety, my fear, my guilt, my shame, everything I've chosen to walk behind. I give it over to you. And I receive this Christmas 
your adoption, your promises, your healing, this relationship with you. I love you, Jesus. Help me to love you and follow you. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for these people and I pray that our lives would be reflections of you as you begin to work in our life. And so God, I thank you for this time we can share communion and as you shared with your disciples at the Last Supper that this bread is broken in remembrance of you. This this drink that we drink is in remembrance of you and the blood that you spilt. And so today we partake of this to symbolize that we recognize that you died for us and that we are aligning our lives with you and we choose to follow you. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the bread together. love you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for rising again. Thank you for coming at Christmas. Thank you that you're in heaven right now, and you've sent your spirit to comfort us, lead us, and guide us. In Jesus' name.